Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In our hundredth episode, we're celebrating with some fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts. So cross your eyes and dot your T's. And let's get civical. Oh my god, thank god, finally. That's it. It's <laughs> fucking 2021. That's it. That's the episode. That's the hot take. We made it. That's the hot take. We made it. We made it. And it's also our 100th episode. It's like, it's so overwhelming to think about it. And it's so unglamorous the way it's happening today. <laughs> I'm in Literally a closet. Literally could not be. <laughs> I'm in a closet. <laughs> in a house full of my family. It's like, this is not... <laughs> This is not as organized or as ceremonial as I wanted it to be, but it's also, I think, indicative of just how we are, you know, just which is making it work under any circumstances. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My my setup is currently on a, a device that I got my mother for Christmas, which is a thing that you hook up to your tires to check the pressure. That was something okay, that she glam. asked for. And so we're, listen, you may think you have a glamorous down there in Texas, but up in Ohio, we doing it right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so here we are. So as we teased before the end of last year in our episodes, we're going to do something super, super fun for our 100th episode. And what's more fun than, I'm so excited, than an episode just full of fun facts. Fuck yes. Lizzie, this is honestly one of the most um, impressive ideas you've ever had. Thank you for saying that because I come up with mm. a lot of ideas. Most you not do. impressive. But this was highly this is, impressive. It just came to me sort of in a dream. And the dream was we have to figure out what we're going to do for 100 episode. 100%. And this was it. This was it. I'm really excited about this. Because we often don't like get to do fun facts that are just like rando. And I love yeah. learning all of this random stuff. I was so all excited. over the board. I was all over the board. I started off like my first 10. I start. I tried to be organized. I'm going to do, I was like, I'm going to do five facts about this and then five facts about that. Oh. And then that was very, very tedious. So then I just started pulling random facts. So, yep. so the first, yep. the first 10 are very specific and then the rest are all over the board. And that's what we love to do. <laughs> it's kind of like a metaphor for our life. At first we're exactly really great right. and organized. And then it all kind of goes to shit and you roll with it. You roll with the punches. You roll with the punches, you guys. So what we decided to do is we're going to just switch off telling each other fun facts. I'm curious to see if we've chosen the same fun facts. I'm interested. I thought that as well. And I have an extra one just in case that does happen. Okay. You're so prepared. I don't. But I... <laughs> but I'm just... I'm here for it. I'm here for I'm it. So... I really... I tried to get random. I tried to get, you know... It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Who Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Who's I'll go, first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. Okay. 
Fun fact one. Okay, I should say mine are coming from Best Life Online. It's these are like listicle websites. <laughs> Legends yeah, of yeah, America yeah. and Reader's Digest. Love. Fun fact number one. The president of the United States is the most dangerous job. And if you think about it, 45 people have held this title. Four of those were assassinated in assassinated in office. Lincoln, Kennedy, James Garfield, and William McKinley. Four died of natural causes. Henry Harrison, Zachary Taylor, Harding, and FDR, which is a rate of almost 18%. Nearly one out of five died in the job. <laughs> so amazingly, that was one of my fun facts. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Love it, right? Because you saw you saw death and murder, and you're just like, yes, of course. No, I, I saw that, and I was like, huh. It's the most dangerous, like, uh, yeah, CEO job in the country is the president. In the country. Isn't that amazing? Isn't yep. that amazing? Yep. Okay. My first fun fact, um, this is coming from biography.com. George Washington had a temper. In 1814, <gasps> Thomas Jefferson wrote about Washington, quote... His temper was naturally high-toned, but reflection and resolution had obtained a firm and habitual ascendancy over it. If ever, however, it broke its bonds, he was the most tremendous in his wrath. Another general, Charles Scott, later recounted Washington, quote, He swore that day till the leaves shook on the trees. Charming! Delightful. Never have I enjoyed such swearing before or since. Sir, on that memorable day, he swore like an angel from heaven. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I wonder what Isn't he that swore with. That's so, I want, like, what were the swear words of the 1700s? I don't know. We should, we should find it out. Gosh, God, I bet God damn it was in there. I bet God damn it was in there. I wonder if, I don't know when the word fuck originated, but I would love an audio bite of George Washington being like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Mouthful of wood. Mouthful of <laughs> All right. Give me the next one. Okay. Number three. Multiple copies of the Declaration of Independence were written. Quote, after the adoption of the uh, Declaration of Independence, the word obviously needed to be spread throughout the nation. The reproduction of this text was overseen by the Committee of Five, which included Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Ben Franklin, Roger Sherman, who has been lost to fucking history, and Robert mm -hmm. Livingston. Poor Robert. Poor Roger Sherman. He just... Uh. Who is he? Maybe we should, that should be like our 101 episode is, who is Roger Sherman? Who is he? While hundreds of copies were made, only 26 survive today. Most can be found in museums and libraries. However, three are privately owned. Imagine just like, like, where do they put it? They put it I... in like their office? Yes. <laughs> Next to their degree? <laughs> Here's my degree from Tulane. Also, the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> okay. Number four. This is from Constitution Facts. Thomas Jefferson died broke. Before his death, Jefferson was able to alleviate part of his financial problems by accepting $25,000 for his books from Congress. Those books were used to begin, you guessed it, the Library of Congress. Friends Shit even tried to organize a lottery to sell part of his land to help, but it was not enough. Dude, get oh your God. numbers in order. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I feel much better about my situation knowing that Thomas Jefferson, one of the most sure. famous dudes in history, also struggling. Like, struggling. Struggling. Struggling with debt. Struggling, struggling with, debt. with debt. Of course, when he went to college, it was two cents a credit. Let's not go there. Sure. Sure. Number five. Some states have more cows than people. 
<laughs> According to Vox, Idaho, you're welcome. You're welcome. According to Vox, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, and Wyoming have fewer humans than they do cattle. In these states combined, there are 32 million. 489,391 cows. That's more than one third of America's total cow population. Wow. Wow. I know, we've always joked about it. It's great to hear. Yes. It's great to hear the numbers. It's good to put numbers to the hilarity because mm-hmm. it's one of those things we throw around and we're like, of co- like, why do cows get more votes than people in Wyoming? Right. <laughs> uh, and you're like, it's just, it's true. There are just more cows than people. I love that. Yeah. Okay, number six. My number six. Mm-hmm. This is from Constitution Center. Washington's last words were spoken around 10 p.m. on December 14th. Quote, I am just going. Have me decently buried and do not let my body be put into the vault less than three days after I am dead. Then, he said, quote, do you understand me? Tis well. End quote. I love the- that. I'm going to use that. Do you understand me? Tis well. Tis well. And the supplementary fun fact is that he was afraid of being buried alive. So that's why he was like, wait three uh, days. So you don't accidentally bury me alive. I, I was, I was like, going to ask. Very fair. Very fair. fair. Yeah. Very fair. fair. So, also, yeah. a f- also a fear. I appreciate that, George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number seven. Lady Liberty, our, our good friend Lady Liberty, who we're going to go see at some point next year, is actually a resident of New Jersey. I saw, I saw that. I saw that one. Did Isn't you? that crazy? Because she's, so yeah, she's in New Jersey. <laughs> she's a New Jerseyer. The Statue of Liberty, which adorns pretty much every bit of tourist memorabilia you can purchase in New York City, the Big Apple, is actually not located in New York City at all. It's technically in Jersey City, New Jersey. The copper statue was a gift from France to the U.S. in October of 1886, and you can and should go back and listen to that episode because it's one of my faves. Oh my god, that one's so great. So great. This next one is an excerpt, like the fact is coming from an excerpt from uh, The Life of Benjamin Franklin by Benjamin Franklin. And so I will read the excerpt, but I will say what the fact is first. So the fun fact is, this is number eight, Ben Franklin enjoyed, quote, air baths. And the excerpt is, hold on one second, let me pull it up. Where did it go? Here we go. Quote, this is from Benjamin Franklin. Quote, you know, the cold bath has long been in vogue here as a tonic, but the shock of the cold water has always appeared to me, generally speaking, too violent. And I have found it much more agreeable to my constitution to bathe in another element. I mean, cold air. With this view, I rise early almost every morning and sit in my chamber without any clothes, whatever, half an hour or an hour according to the season, (laughs) either reading or writing. This practice is not in the least painful, but on the contrary, agreeable. And I'm going to end the quote there. But yeah, it's like a whole section. (laughs) That's wild. I fucking, he's like, I like to get nakey nakey and sit in the cold air. A good and crisp air 30 out. degrees. Air it out. Air, air it that out. shit out. Mm-hmm. That is hysterical. That's my favorite mm-hmm. one so far. We've got some okay, more to great. go, but that's that. my favorite one so far. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, he loved cold air baths. Oh my God, I kind of just, like, if it was, like, if I lived in a place where I could just, like, it was just, like, acres of field forever and I could walk outside naked, I would totally do that. 
Yeah. Okay, number, what are we on? Nine. California's state animal does not exist in the state anymore. They've all been murdered. Before the (laughs) mid-1800s, thousands of grizzly bears could be found across California, so much that the animal became the state's official animal. But now all of the grizzlies are gone because they've been murdered. What changed then in the mid-1800s, you ask? If you guessed the state's gold rush, you're right on the money. But then, between the 1800s and 1922, every living grizzly in the state of California was captured or killed. And according to, like, whatever listicle I got this from, the tagline that they put at the end was, and all they got was a lousy flag. <laughs> oh, God. So, like, disjointed. Like, all these grizzly bears are gone. They're gone. They're gone. It's yeah, that's so sad. sad. Pour one out for the grizzlies. Yep. Okay, number 10, a fifth of the way there. This is from Mental Floss. James Madison was the nation's smallest president. He was 5'4 and weighed 100 pounds. I saw that fun did you fact do that one? too. No, no, no. Oh, I saw okay. that. I did see that one, but I didn't put it on my list because the listicle that I was looking at was like, he weighed less than a teenage girl. And I was like, fuck you, listicle. That's such a thing to say. <laughs> That's definitely About teenage girls. Thing to say. I'm like, presumes like a body image and weight that a teenage girl should have. Exactly and I was right. Like, Fuck you. It is. It is small, and that, and I always knew that he was small, but this was a shocking. That is small. a small, small, tiny human. Small man. Small man. Small man. Yeah. Okay. Number eleven. The federal government poisoned people during prohibition. <laughs> I did this one too. Did you? Great. You've <laughs> yeah. likely heard about. <laughs> you've likely heard about how crazy some of the law enforcement of prohibition. Could the, the law enforcement activities of prohibition could be, but it turns out that the U.S. government literally poisoned alcohol in its effort to discourage drinking. <laughs> when people continued to consume alcohol despite its banning, law officials got frustrated and decided to try a different kind of deterrent, death. They ordered <laughs> the poisoning of industrial alcohols manufactured in the U.S., which were products reg- regularly stolen by bootleggers. By the end of prohibition in 1933, the federal government, the federal, (laughs) the federal poisoning program is estimated to have killed at least 10,000 people. I know. Isn't that crazy? I saw that and I was like, oh my God. That is absolutely wild. The federal poisoning program? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And we're not talking about NOM. Like that's. No. Wild. You know what? The the early, the 20s and 30s of the 19s were wild. Wild. They we were just like, kill humans, people. fuck them. Yeah, just kill them. Bye. Bye. Yep. Okay. Uh, number 12. Black Union soldiers refused their salaries for 18 months to protest being paid lower wages than white soldiers. This is coming from history.com. Quote, When black soldiers began signing up with the Union Army in early 1863, they were paid $10 a month. White soldiers were paid at least $13, with officers earning more. Blacks were further insulted when when only they were charged a $3 monthly fee for clothing, lowering their pay to $7. As a result, the highest paid black soldier earned about half the lowest paid white soldier's salary. To protest these conditions, black regiments refused to accept their inferior wages Finally, pressure from the abolitionist congressmen coupled with the courage black soldiers had shown in combat persuaded Congress to rectify the pay structure. In September of 1864, black soldiers finally received equal pay that was retroactive to their enlistment date. 
For many, this meant they finally had enough money to send home to their families. Oh, my God. Yeah. Protests. Unionizing. We love to see it. That's heartbreaking and then also a great outcome. Mm -hmm. Number 13. I feel like eventually we're going to forget what number it is and we're just going to – hopefully we're keeping track. Number 13. We're just going to go, next one. (laughs) Next one. And and next. So George Washington was not always on the $1 bill. The first person to appear on the $1 bill was Salmon P. Chase. It was issued during the Civil War in 1862. Chase was the Secretary of Treasury at that time and was also the designer of the country's, fir- country's first banknotes. Yeah, I saw that that fact. And his name is Salmon, like the fish. Like the fish. Like yep. the fish. And I thought that like was interesting, fish. too. Yes. Yes, I do love that he designed a bill and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm putting my own goddamn face on it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I would do that. Are you joking? I would do it, too. I would do it, too. Okay, so number 14. This is from Business Insider. In World War II, British soldiers got a ration of three sheets of toilet paper a day. Americans got 22. Wow. I know. Brits, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Three sheets of toilet paper a day. Oh my god. I wonder and if And then Americans like, are over here with an entire roll. Entire roll of paper. Do you ever wonder if like well, I guess they were allies, but like I wonder if they got this is such a horrible I just imagine them like taking them off of the dead bodies. Like, get the toilet paper, get the toilet paper. Sure. I mean, you gotta do what Take you gotta do. Paper. Don't leave the toilet paper behind. Yeah. It's been long yeah. enough. We can joke about that, right? That was that was that's not too soon. Yeah. Number Oh god, it's happening. 16. 15? 15. Number 15. Uncle Sam was a real person. His name was Samuel Wilson. He was a meatpacker in Troy, New York, who fought in the American Revolution. He later became the official meat inspector for the Northern Army in the War of 1812. I, it's, I mean, wow. Wilson was given the nickname Uncle Sam for his good nature. According to the Huffington Post, when he was when he started providing and inspecting meat for the troops during the War of 1812, the soldiers from Troy would joke that the initials U.S. label on the barrels actually stood for Uncle Sam because his name was Sam Wilson. This idea was eventually expanded to all United States military items with U.S., and that's how Uncle Sam came to be. I bet being a meat inspector is gnarly. Back in 1812? I mean, ugh, I don't want to know how that was packaged and transferred did they have plastic wrap and i just you know like what did you pack it <laughs> yeah, like a barrel with salt yep i guarantee yep that's probably it okay number 16 panic over a soccer field led to the cuban missile crisis this is coming from cnn <laughs> when a cia consultant spotted soccer fields along the coast in cuba in september of 1962 he became concerned because as he put it quote Cubans play baseball. Russians play soccer. The CIA analyst had deduced that the field indicated the presence of a Soviet military camp nearby. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. A missile crisis over a soccer field. Yeah, because they're like, the Russians are there. Yeah. The Russians are in Cuba. Go get them. Go Go get them. Number... 17. This one we've talked about before, but because it's my home state and because I'm literally recording this in Ohio, I just felt like we needed to be reminded of the fact that Ohio Mm. did not officially become a state until (laughs) 1953. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, w- yeah, definitely worth remembering. <laughs> definitely worth remembering. So goes Ohio. Maybe goes the nation-ish. Ohio Congressman George H. Bender brought a bill to the United States Congress asking them to retroactively admit his state into the United States of America. That's why, despite yeah. being the bill being passed in the 50s, Ohio's official founding date is 1803. Thomas Jefferson had approved the territory that would become Ohio more than a century before Bender proposed the bill. However, due to an accidental oversight, Ohio had never been formally admitted to the Union. Whoopsie-daisy! That's why you gotta cross your eyes and dot your T's, honey. That's right. That's right. Or, Make sure it's sorry, all signed. Dot your eyes and cross your T's. Listen, you cross those eyes. You don't let you anybody You have to cross the eyes you. and dot the T's, guys. It is you 2021, really have to bitches. Do you can We're do whatever crossing the, the eyes fuck and dotting you want. the T's. That's exactly right. I love that. Okay, number 18. Abraham Lincoln is in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Oh, I saw that one. Mm hmm. This is I coming from HuffPo. A 22-year-old Lincoln was described as able to, quote, outrun, outfit, outwrestle, and throw down any men in Sagamon County. In one match, the future president reportedly became angered by his opponent's attempt to cheat, so he used his long arms to pick up the opponent by the throat and shake him around. The Wrestling Hall of Fame has only been able to find one recorded wrestling defeat in Honest Abe's 300 matches. Holy shit! I know, right? It's like Hulk Hogan over here, man. God, You don't wow. think of Old Abe as being a wrestler. Old Abe, no. The Rock, Lincoln. Well, because he was, he was tall, but he was like a gangly tall. <laughs> yeah. Thin. We know him as thin, but I guess yes. at some point he was muscular. I don't know. All right. Get yours, honey. Get yours. Yeah. Get yours. Number 19, Monowai, Monowi, Monowai. It's a town in Nebraska. They have a single resident who is 83 years old. She is the city's mayor, librarian, and bartender because let's cover the bases. Her name is... She's uh, my icon. Her name is Elsie, Elsie Eiler. She pays taxes to herself and considers people who reside 40 miles away to be her neighbors. Get yours, Elsie. Get yours. Get yours, Elsie. I'm so with Elsie right now. I'm so with her. (laughs) You're like, the house full of my family members is making me be... I want to be in my town of one. (laughs) Number 20. The Statue of Liberty has a Morton's toe. And a Morton's toe is when your second toe is longer than your first big toe. This was an idealized form in Greek sculpture, and that's why the Statue of Liberty has the fairly common condition. That's from Huffington Post. A Morton's toe. A Morton's toe. I did just check my toes. I do not have a Morton's toe. I do on one foot. All right. You and the Statue of Lib. Hey, girl. It's also supposed to mean that you're royalty, and honestly, I really appreciate that interpretation. For sure. Number 21. The Library of Congress has miles of bookshelves. Specifically, they have 838 miles of bookshelves, to be exact, consisting of more than 39 million books. The library receives some 15,000 items each working day. That is insane. It's insane. I did that fact, too. It's huge. 
huge. Huge. Like, like that's 15000 a day. No wonder so many people work at the Library of Congress. They're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, a book on Roger Sherman. Thank God we don't have any. Nobody talks about him anymore. <laughs> Catalog it. <laughs> Altogether, these bookshelves are long enough to stretch from Houston to Chicago. Yeah. A lot of bookshelves. Very long. It's so far. Okay. Number 22. Susan B. Anthony was meant to be on the mountain, Mount Rushmore, with the presidents, but a funding problem got in the way. So this is coming from Business Insider. Susan B. Anthony was a vital player in the women's rights movement and a famous advocate of women's voting rights. Her place in American history made her a perfect candidate to be featured on Mount Rushmore. In fact, a bill was proposed in Congress in 1937 that would include the suffragette, but it was too late. Work on the monument had already begun, and an existing bill stated federal funds for the project must only be spent on the work that had already started. So the work on Mount Rushmore started in like the late 20s, mid-late 20s. And then in 37, somebody comes along and is like, maybe we should tack on Susan B. And they're like, ugh, we've already allocated the funds. We can't be adding on. And so she didn't get on the mountain. We've only got money... That's, uh, like, they've only got money for the men. I just feel like that's par for the course, ladies. Some BS. Par for the course. Only money for the men. Mm-hmm. 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 Number 23. You can obtain a unicorn hunting license for Michigan's Lake Superior State University. <laughs> I saw this one. <laughs> obsessed. The unicorn hunters. Obsessed. Obsessed. The unicorn hunters were created in 1971 by W.T. Rabe, who was, also, who was known for his clever PR stunts from his time as a Detroit area publicist. And honestly, get it. Like, a get unicorn it. hunting license. Get it. Who are the hard-hearted people who are going to hunt the unicorns? The same people who hunt elephants. It's true. <laughs> They're out there. It's true. Same people who kill They're giraffes. out there. They exist. You know, those kind of people. Yep. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Okay. Number 24. Lyndon Johnson issued the first Medicare card to Harry Truman. This is coming from Mental President Truman was the first to call for federal medical insurance that would take care of those at retiree age. So President Johnson made it a symbolic act to sign the bill creating Medicare at the Truman Library awarding the 81-year-old Truman the first card. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Isn't that nice? That's so nice. And also it just means like, it's not like a, it's like all old people or all elderly people, not just like poor elderly people. You know, like it's different yeah. when like a former president gets the first, you know, it just means like it's for everybody. Oh, I love it's that. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Oh my God. Why are the numbers so hard for me? Number 24? You're 25. 25. Thank you so much. We're halfway there. (laughs) We're halfway there. Number 25. We're halfway there. The founding fathers penned the first couple of drafts of the Declaration of Independence on hemp paper, since at the time, at least 75% of all the world's paper was made from cannabis hemp fiber. I love that. Yeah. Weed paper, man. Weed paper. Weed paper. Weed paper. Write it down. Pen to to parchment. (laughs) Pen to weed parchment. Write it down. Exactly right. Let's go. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at 
hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Okay, number 26. This might be my favorite, one of my favorite facts. This is coming from, again, a Mental Floss article. Jimmy Carter wrote a children's book. (gasps) The little baby Snoogleflieger is about a young boy growing up in poverty who meets an unusual deep sea creature. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. I couldn't resist a sweet little Jimmy. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I have a Jimmy fact in here, too, but that not that one. That is adorable. Number 27. The last person to receive a Civil War pension from the United States government was Irene Triplett, who got a $73 a month check until her death at the age of 90 in June of 2020. Oh, my God. Well, dang. Right? Right? Was she I was like, hold the infant? fucking phone. That doesn't add up. She... How does this... <laughs> do the quick math. Too old. Triplett's father, Moses, deserted the Confederate Army and joined the Union during the Civil War. 
He was 84 when he fathered Irene. So she's getting her father's pension Uh, from the Civil War. mm, mm -hmm, And he was old mm -hmm. AF. He was 84 when she was born. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. (gasps) Yep. Damn. Okay. Okay. We love to see it. Also, yep. uh, my nephew just woke up, so if our listeners hear a screaming child, that's what it is. We're not going to try to edit it out. It's just what it is. No. <laughs> it is what it he is. Just what woke it up is. from his Listen, nap. we are still, we are not back in New York. We are with family. Mm-mm. We are still with the elements. Okay. Number 20. Ooh, is it six? I think it's 28. 28. Sorry. 28. Here we go. We're good. The United States is one of only three countries to that have not officially switched to the metric system. Liberia and Burma are the other two. This is from USA Today. Still not on that metric. Everybody else is, not us. Not us. We refuse. Stubborn AF. Stubborn I know. AF. Number 29. One of the 13 articles in the 1781 U.S. Articles of Confederation states that if Canada wants to be admitted to the Union, it will automatically be accepted. I remember Come this. Come on down. You're the next contestant. I remember contestant. we did this. It's like the most random article mm-hmm. when we did our Articles of Confederation episodes, which were so funny. Yeah. You guys. So funny. Anytime. Anytime you want to be a part of the United States. Come on down. Just knock on the door. You don't. Just let yourself in. Let yourself in. Yeah. yeah. Just use the key. The key is under the mat. Come in the back door. I love that. Okay. Number 30. John Marshall is one of two Supreme Court justices to appear on U.S. currency. This is coming from the Constitution Center. Marshall mm. was on the $500 bill, while Salmon P. Chase, who we talked about earlier, was on the $10,000 bill. Neither bill is in circulation today. Oh my god, is there a ten thousand dollar bill? Flo- Who has one? Well, like, I don't. I don't know. I don't know when they took it out of circulation. But at some point, oh my goodness, according to the Constitution Center and our friends, there was a ten thousand dollar bill. They're probably like, this doesn't need to I be. Want one. Okay, go get one. Go get one. Who's who's? <laughs> what would you buy with a ten thousand dollar bill? It's like here's you know here's four of them. I'll take my yacht now. Like what? Yeah. Who's care? Who's packing ten thousand dollar bills? It's a lot. It's um, a lot. That's really funny. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. That's like monopoly money. Like it's not. It is real. monopoly money. Yeah. Number twenty nine. Nope. Thirty one. <laughs> no, I'm odds. Yeah, oh, thirty one. Great. Mm-hmm. Wow. You y'all. We'll get there. We'll get there at some point. <laughs> thirty one. The national anthem called The Star-Spangled Banner, was written by Francis Scott Key during the War of 1812, and the song was adopted as the national anthem in 1931. Cute. Cute. Just a little cute short fun fact. Love fun fact. Love fun fact. Okay, number 32. There was a justice's grandson on the court. John Marshall Harlan II served from 1955 to 1971. His grandfather was the legendary John Marshall Harlan I, who served on the court from 1877 to 1911. The elder Harlan, the first one, was known as the great dissenter for his opposition to rulings that promoted Jim Crow laws in the South. This is coming from Constitution Center. So there's been a grants, grandpa and grandson. A grandpa and grandson. Man, that I wonder what that dad in between was like. Yeah. Because he just felt like a real failure. I know. 
decided to become a doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're like, all right. He's well, an I artist. Guess that's fine. <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can get this right. Number 33. Ulysses S. Grant was the first president to run against a female candidate. Virginia Woodhull, the nominee of the Equal Rights Party in 1872. Yes. Yes, Virginia. Yes, yes Virginia. Yes, Virginia. Meet Virginia. Yes. That's what the song, the train meet. song is about. <laughs> That's Meet Virginia, Equal Rights Party. Meet her, 1872. Meet her. I love that. Okay, number 34. Warren G. Harding's wife was the first first lady to vote, fly in an airplane, operate a movie camera, own a radio, and invite movie stars to the White House. She was also accused of poisoning her husband, Warren, who died during his third year in office. This is from firstladies.org. Shout out to this broad. Holy I hope she killed shit. him. Hope she killed him. We do wish what do we think that she murdered him in office while he was like that? Like, yeah, he, he died in office. Poison- <gasps> he he died Where in his third is year. This movie? Shut I know. the front door. Where is this? Come on, Spielberg. You got one more in you. Shout out. <gasps> shout out. Oh, yes. my God. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel I feel a script coming. That's awesome. Yes. I mean, murder, murder isn't great, but, like, that's a great story. But that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Number 35. A South Dakota miner started, started calling Mount Rushmore by this name, Mount Rushmore, after a visiting New York attorney, Charles Rushmore, inquired about the name of the granite cliff. (laughs) (laughs) The name stuck and became official in 1930. I love that some guy was like, what's the name of that rock? And the other guy was like, yo, it's Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. I named it after you, dude. I love you, man. (laughs) Love you, man. The original bromance. Yeah. Okay, number 30. Six, in 1893, an amendment was proposed to rename the country, quote, the United States of Earth. This is from Constitution Center. <laughs> it didn't pass. <laughs> some rep, some representative in the House was like, what about the United States of Earth? And I was like, no, 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 we're good. We're sticking with our name. We're sticking with our yeah. name. Number 37. In 1919, Boston had a molasses disaster. (laughs) It's really interesting how molasses is like the quintessential linchpin of so many American stories. Like the first, wasn't it the first case? Yeah, Marbury, yeah. At the time in 1919 in Boston, two million gallons of crude molasses... No, my Burst God. Burst from a tank. I know. It's so dramatic, the writing. This is for sure an intern. Burst from a tank and pushed its way through the neighborhood and city. It killed at least 21 people. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Like, what? And took weeks That's to clean sad. up. I mean, was it just like dripping down the bill? How did it kill people? I I just imagine it being like a very slow, very sticky flood. Yeah, that's a rough one. Right? That's a rough one. That would be my guess. That's a that's that's a rough way to die. Oof. Okay, 40. The number of bourbon barrels in Kentucky outnumbers the state's population by more than two million. This is from the Kentucky Distillers Association. Yes, I had this one too. It's so good. Oh, I love it. I mean, how can we not? How can we not? (laughs) Number 41. Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon, but he was also the first man lost in space. Oh, my God. He was aboard. I know. Like, talk about a comeback man. 
He was aboard Gemini 8 when it began spinning out of control while attempting a docking maneuver. Armstrong almost blacked out before correcting the problem. I would black out. I would black out. Very bad on planes. I would black out. I would black out. Also, it just goes to show you, like, you can almost get lost in space and come back and, like, be one of the most famous men in history. Like, you can turn it around. You never know what's next on your journey. Turn it around. You can change your stars. Turn it around. You can change your stars. Yep. Absolutely. Change your stars. Okay. 42. Many states have official state foods, but only Oklahoma has an official state meal. This is coming from the Oklahoma Historical (gasps) Society. And the meal is squash, cornbread, fried okra, barbecue pork, grits, biscuits, sausage and gravy, corn, strawberries, chicken fried steak, black eyed peas, and pecan pie. It's like a feast. That is a fucking feast. It's a that feast. Is like, that is like every single person on whoever passed that bill was like, what's your favorite food? Like, just write it down. That's the meal. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's hysterical. Pork and fried okra. Fun fact, I was in Austin this past week and got barbecue and fuck me up. That shit was mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I brought some of it down, back yeah. to Toledo. It's so good down there. Mm. <laughs> Number 43. The United States' current 50-star flag was designed as a school project by 17-year-old Robert G. Heft. Did you do this one? No, I didn't, but I, I read this one. Yeah. Okay. Heft received... <laughs> A B minus for his efforts, mm-hmm. but his teacher said, he, oh, Jesus, he would reconsider the grade if Congress accepted Heft's ostensibly mediocre design. In 1959, that's precisely what happened, and Heft's design was selected to be the latest iteration of the American flag. His teacher promptly changed his grade to an A. Bitch, that is A plus work. That is A plus work. That is A plus work. <laughs> That is A plus work. And A, no, 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 no. But I also love this, like, recurring theme where we're, like, taking on, you know, school projects as, like, main point. Like, because the, the Vietnam War Vietnam Memorial was not that, yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and teacher, her, yeah. the teacher gave it a B2. And I was like, or some, it was like a horrible, she, they got a horrible grade. I mean, it was just yeah, and so then, funny to me. And the teacher had also applied his design to be a part of the Vietnam War Memorial. And he did not get it, but the student did. Who he gave, like, I don't know, it was like a C minus or a D2. Yeah. Mm Yeah. mm, Honey. Okay. Number 44? Yeah. 44. Jeez Louise. Okay. (sighs) There is only one U.S. president buried in Washington, D.C. Can you guess who it is? Give you one guess. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Total stab in the dark. Uh, Madison. No. It is. None other than enemy of the show, Woodrow Wilson. No. Yes. No. Yes. That's what, where, where, where is he buried? Is he buried in Arlington? In the in the national uh, cathedral area. Oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. so wild. Hmm. Oh, this is my Jimmy. This is my Jimmy Carter note. Okay, great. Yeah. So number forty-five, Jimmy Carter, the thirty-ninth president was the first to be born in a hospital. The first president to be born in a hospital. I know. He was born in 1924. Not all of Carter's successors were born in hospitals. Post-Carter presidents Reagan and George H.W. Bush were not born in hospitals, which is wild to me. Like, George H.W. Bush just died. Like, to me, like, not being born in a hospital is, like, 
Crazy. I, it's just insane. Like, crazy. Yeah. Meanwhile, seven previous presidents, including Andrew Jackson and Abraham Lincoln, were born in log cabins. Sure. Meaning more U.S. presidents have been born in log cabins than <laughs> hospitals. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> yeah. We love to see it. <laughs> yep. Okay. This is now technically the last one that I have because three of mine, we were the same as yours. So here's my last one. The United States has 42,000 zip codes. You can look up all but one. The president's secret zip code. (gasps) The U.S. Postal Service issues a new personal zip code to each incoming president to help manage the large volume of correspondence that the first family receives. The special code ensures that important and personal mail reaches the president and his family or her family when the time comes. Yes. Her family, his family, their family. Their family. That's wild. I didn't know that existed. Me either. All right. Bring us home. Which one are we on? What is this? I did just 46. I just did 46. So number 47. Our fourth president, James Madison, became the first U.S. president to declare war in 1812 against the British. It would be more than 30 years until the next official declaration of war in 1846 when President James K. Polk declared the Mexican-American War. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Number 48. Al Capone. Uh, I feel like this is like a known fact, but I just kind of. Just do it. it. We feel so new dot s dot. So Al Capone, one of the most famous American criminals of all time, spent most of the 1920s smuggling illegal alcohol and murdering his enemies. But the crime that finally got him caught and sent to prison in 1931 was, we know it, we love it, tax evasion. Tax evasion. Tax evasion. It just goes to show you, you can murder people, you can do illegal activity. Make sure your books are in order, because they'll fuck you up. Make sure your books are in order. When a 1927 Supreme Court ruling declared that bootleggers had to pay income tax, Capone's downfall began. At first, he pled guilty, thinking he would only receive a short sentence. When the judge told him that wasn't true, he agreed to go to trial. He was sentenced to 11 years in federal prison. Mm-hmm. Went to Alcatraz. Yeah. Oh, so funny you should say that because my next fun fact is about Alcatraz. And I definitely yes! threw that in for you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. This one is bes- so it's like it's like we've never spent time apart. That's how close mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. All right. Number 49. 36 different people tried to escape from Alcatraz during its 29-year time as a federal prison. Most of them either died during the attempt or were caught. But in 1962, three criminals vanished from the prison. They made a raft out of stolen raincoats, left dummy heads in their beds, Ferris Bueller style, and escaped by climbing through a ventilator, according to the FBI investigation of the events. While pieces of their raft were found, the three men themselves were not the FBI turned the case over to the U.S. Marshal Service in 1979. The U.S. Marshal Service is technically still on the case, dun, 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 mm-hmm. though it's all but certain that the men are no longer still alive, even if they did survive their escape. Uh, the I escape from Alcatraz is my favorite thing in the world. I love those boys. So- They're like family to me, really. <laughs> also, the film is great if you haven't seen it. Clint Eastwood before he was really crazy. Oh my god, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's great. Do you want to watch it? It's a fun time. This is wild. I love. I I, like. I just. They shot it at Alcatraz. That's what's crazy. Oh really? Yeah, they shot it at Alcatraz. I hope at some point we find out what happened to them. I'm sure their bones are at the bottom of whatever body of water that is. Yeah, probably. So fifty, which is just a wild story, and 
I almost didn't put it in. I'm glad I did. Okay, number 50, fun fact, fun fact. Though the many health benefits of tomatoes are, are widely known today, a mere 200 years ago, there was a widespread belief that they were poisonous. Though they were wildly popular in Mexico and much of Europe, a tomato scare hit England and subsequently the colonies when a surgeon named John Gerard wrote a book called The General History of Plants in 1597. <laughs> in the book, he claimed that tomatoes were deadly because they contained a chemical called tomatine, which it's true, it is in tomatoes, but it's not nearly enough to, like, kill you. It's the same reason why, like, yes, dogs are allergic to chocolate, but if they eat, like, you know, a bite of a Hershey's candy bar, they're not going to die. Thanks to Gerard's mostly bogus book, much of England and the United States remained tomato shy for the next 200 years. Jeez. Talk about impact. Right? Mm -hmm. Talk about an impact. It's almost like that study that was done about vaccines. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Finally, in 1820, a man named Robert Johnson staged a tomato trial on the steps of a New Jersey courthouse. He ate a full basket of tomatoes and did not die. Congratulations. <laughs> Way to be in a, the hero that everybody needed. Yes, yes. He was like, y'all are fucking nuts. Cut the shit open, throw some salt on it, and call it a day. Let's go. This is delicious. I love that. Oh what God. a good one so to funny. end on, too. Seriously, right? So good. Very nice. So it just shows how far we've come. How far we've come yeah. as a nation and also yes. this podcast because we're both tomato eaters. We're both tomato we eaters. Yep. yep. Yeah. But that was our fun facts episode and our hundredth episode. This is like my dream come true to do only fun facts. Only fun facts. I love I know. that. And now we're looking ahead to a new year, new episodes. Yeah. It's going to be wild, you guys. I hope you're wild. ready for it. We're going to get Roger Sherman on the show. Sure, He's yeah. Gonna we're going to call Roger. <laughs> be like, Rog, what <laughs> happened? Where are what you? What is happening? He's going to be where are you? Funny you ask. My plate is wide open. Please have me on your show. Yeah, I know, right? He's ready to be booked, and we're ready to book him. But in the meantime, we love you guys so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.